Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced educators to become creative in ways they never before imagined. Three of those educators have written an article titled Finding Flexibility with High Flex, Teaching in the Digital Age, which was published in the International Journal of the Whole Child. It pertains to classes that can have a mix of online and in-person students at any given time. Our guests are Dr. Nancy Clawkin, the Associate Dean for Undergraduate Programs in the College of Education at North Greenville University, Dr. Stacy Fields, an Assistant Professor in the Department of Elementary and Special Education at MTSU, and Leslie Trail, an Adjunct Professor in the Department of Educational Leadership at MTSU and an English teacher at Eagleville School in Eagleville, Tennessee. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU's Board of Trustees approved new bachelor degree programs in supply chain management, media management, and photography at its quarterly meeting April 6th. Trustees approved the recommendations of the Academic Affairs, Student Life, and Athletics Committee, which included elevating the existing concentrations in supply chain management, media management, and photography to freestanding bachelor's degrees. All new programs are expected to become effective this summer, pending approval by the Tennessee Higher Education. Commission. Also on April 6th, MTSU officials broke ground on a 54,000 square foot, $40.1 million School of Concrete and Construction Management building. The long-awaited ceremony was held outdoors near the corner of Blue Raider and Alumni Drives in the southeast part of campus. Expected to be completed in 15 months in time for fall 2022 classes, the facility features classrooms, faculty and staff offices, and laboratory space for concrete industry management, which is one of the most exclusive programs in the nation, and construction management, both of which provide interns and ready-to-work graduates awaiting potentially lucrative careers. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Ladies, welcome one and all. Let's define our terms first. What is a high-flex model of teaching and how does it work? Well, a high-flex model of teaching is flexibility in the classroom. It allows students to access instruction in person, on Zoom or a platform like Zoom synchronously. So in other words, at the same time that the teacher is giving instruction in person. And then it also allows them to access instruction asynchronously. So perhaps you have a student who logs in later that day and and follows along in the video that was created through the lesson but the, the lesson would have materials and supplements that allow the student to still participate. And so in some ways, students have had to consider this even before these days, right? Because you would have students who are absent and perhaps teachers didn't have a way to give them the instruction that they would need to access the information when they went home in the same format that they can now. And so asynchronous instruction is really not new. Just now we have a way to help students be more successful when they engage in it. And you implemented this at Eagleville School, did you, Leslie? I have used it in my classroom at Eagleville School. As the year has progressed, we have encouraged students to participate synchronously, those students who are distance learners, rather than asynchronously, because we have found that for our student population, our student engagement is so much higher when students are still 
synchronous in participating. But again, anytime you have a student who is sick or who isn't able to access that live lesson synchronously, the asynchronous instruction is there, which gives them that option. How does one determine whether high flex is the way to go for a particular classroom? Who decides what students are in the classroom or online and who's learning synchronously or asynchronously? Is it the teacher, the administration, the parent? Who makes the decision on that? You know, in, in high school right now and in elementary and middle school, these were central office decisions that we would offer distance learning as a county this year, as, along with students participating in class. Then as the year has unfolded, what that looks like for those students who opt in to distance learning has, has changed. Like I said, originally we, we offered a lot more, let it be asynchronous, but as a district, we kind of learned that for a lot of our population, they needed the synchronous instruction. And so we've geared more and more towards encouraging students to participate synchronously. So it becomes, you know, at the highest level, a district decision. And then it was a by family decision. Now I know for Rutherford County in the fall, we are not planning to continue offering this type of high flex learning. We're encouraging students to come back into the classroom and we will have a Rutherford County online school for students who are not ready to resume in classroom instruction. Stacy and Nancy, what about the post-secondary level? The original design, as I understand it, um, in the high flex model by Brian Beatty was that it was really students choice and, and not just this is the way that I want to learn for the rest of the school year or this semester, but this is the way I want to learn this week or today. So it was really designed around student choice. However, as Leslie said, um, for school systems, it's, it's a district decision frequently. And at North Greenville University, students can't decide whether they want to be online or not. They have to get approval whether they're gonna be taught, um, allowed to take their courses online. However, they can choose to be synchronous or asynchronous. Right, at MTSU, it's very similar. The original design of this was um, for the research purposes, it was student driven. Um, it was based on, um, is it the weather? Um, what's the best way that I want to learn today? But it can, it was student choice. When, they, when we were looking at this in the research, it was all student choice. This was pre-COVID days when they were, when they were developing this, this model. But for right now, um, it is, it's coming from our, our administration. So based on space, based on um, COVID restrictions, those kinds of things. But for the high flex model itself, it, it should be student choice when we're looking at what works and what's best. Yeah, and I want to add that, that the original HyFlex model was written for post-secondary. Mm -hmm. The idea of using it in high school really came about because of COVID. And the way the model worked had to change because now our audience has changed too, right? What sorts of assignments and tools are used uh, with the HyFlex model, the paper mentions a couple of uh, software uh, programs, PlayPosit and Edpuzzle. What are they? Well, PlayPosit and Edpuzzle are interactive video tools that teachers can load videos into and then can put questions, embed those questions within the video. So for example, if you record this 
and I want my asynchronous students to watch and respond to this video. I can upload this video into PlayPosit, and throughout this video, I can embed questions for my students to answer, and my students can't move forward until they've answered the video. So PlayPosit and Edpuzzle are two tools to ensure that when you have asynchronous learners, they are still engaging in the lecture portion of the class. Yeah. There are many other tools that teachers have put to use this year. I could start listing a plethora of tech tools mm -hmm. and every teacher probably has different tech tools that they've used to engage students. And I think that's been one of the challenges. And one of the greatest advantages for our future teaching is that through this year, we've tried so many different things and now we have new tools at our disposal. I know I've tried um, what's called Google Pear Deck, um, and that's allowed both my in-person, and I see Leslie shaking her head, in-person and my asynchronous um, learners to learn. Um, it's been fun, and it's been it's allowed us to, to just um, give some other tools to our, our other teachers. It's a new, a new time for all of us, because of course, we on this end of higher learning, we're also training new teachers to go out into the field. Ensuring that our students who are at home are staying engaged and are participating, I would say has been one of the most challenging parts of working through this high flex model in the high school classroom, especially. In, in times when they are responding and being successful, also one of the most rewarding parts of this model. Oh, we'll take a break right here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about HyFlex, a way of teaching that combines online and in-person education with Dr. Nancy Calkin, Associate Dean for Undergraduate Programs in the College of Education at North Greenville University, and a couple of MTSU professors, Dr. Stacy Fields from the Department of Elementary and Special Ed, and Leslie Trail, who is an adjunct in educational leadership and an English teacher at Eagleville School. In what ways does this give the student more self-direction in learning? I almost wrote freedom, but it also requires a certain amount of self-discipline on the student's part as well. And as Leslie said earlier, there are some students who are just going to need that real-time interaction with the teacher because it's, it's like me trying to learn new technology from a video. I can't ask a video questions. But a kid who is learning in real time, whether it's online or in person, is going to have to be able to ask a teacher questions in order to, to fully grasp what the subject matter is, right? So I've had the benefit of having both of my daughters participate as distance learners this year. 
And I've been able to watch their experiences, one in elementary school and one in middle school, and then my own experiences with high school students. And I will say that even though in high school and in middle school, we don't necessarily follow the high flex model to a T and that we're encouraging the synchronous instruction. My daughter has said how helpful it is that in a math class, she can participate online. And then that afternoon or evening when she goes back to work on the assignments, she can rewind that video and watch it until she feels like she's mastered the skill. And so that is choice, right? It certainly is, is a choice that a driven student is making, but it's choice in how she's then accessing and making sure she's mastering those, those standards. That alone makes me want to continue videoing all of my lessons and putting them out there for students because it allows them to go back and re-engage. From the post-secondary standpoint, I have students that are engaging online asynchronously mostly, and then some that are synchronous. And for those that are asynchronous, they love that flexibility that it gives them. In many cases, they are assisting some, in some cases, grandparents who are not doing well health-wise or assisting with younger siblings who they're basically teaching them while at home. And so they can engage in the content anytime they need to. My lessons are videotaped so they can get in and, and as Leslie was saying, watch, rewind. And so they have really appreciated the uh, flexibility. How does a high flex teacher deal with the digital divide? The students who can't afford or don't have access to digital devices or maybe live out in a rural area where connectivity is not terrific. Students who are opting in to distance learning have the option to come to high schools. And I believe this is true for all of the schools in Rutherford County and check out a device. So students have a device. The Internet is a whole different matter. And I do teach in a rural school. Internet is not always stable and is not always available. And so we have had some students who started out the year thinking, oh, I'm going to be a distance learner. And then because they had Internet problems, they've moved back to being an in-person learner. And I think that's one thing that that HyFlex does allow for. You know, if, if being a distance learner doesn't work because of Internet and things like that, then there is the option for students to come back in person. Now we have had some students who did distance learning and they would pull their cars in the parking lot of the school so that they were still a distance learner. They still were not getting COVID exposure, but they were able to use the Wi-Fi. I like that. That's cool. Do the online and in-person students feel they're equally part of the class as a whole, part of the group? Nobody feels isolated or, or left out? That is the goal. And I think that as teachers have participated in offering these types of lessons through this classroom, that we as teachers have gotten better at meeting that goal. For example, at the beginning of the year, I didn't realize that if I was having a class discussion, students couldn't hear unless I took a microphone to them. Mm -hmm. And then my students at home could hear the discussion. And so now I know that if we're having a seminar discussion, I need to carry my computer, my laptop around, 
so that the students at home can hear what's being said. Stacy and Nancy, the paper said that the uh, there hasn't been a great deal of research into high flex yet. As people who study this in as part of academia, what do you think the best way would be to test high flex's soundness as a teaching methodology? Now, obviously, employing it in the classroom, but how do you measure its effectiveness? but through some kind of metrics, or is it largely subjective, qualitative, quantitative research? I mean, what do you think would be better? I think there's going to be a lot of research looking at HyFlex coming out of this. You can do it both ways, quantitative and qualitative. I think we had a lot of questions coming out of this uh, research article. We talked about motivation. We talked about um, student engagement. Those were two big pieces that we wondered about. The post-secondary research talks about that students who came face-to-face, they were, uh, their achievement was a little bit better, but those effect sizes were very small. There wasn't any research out there for us when we looked at this research article, there wasn't anything for high school. So I think as we begin to to look at our um, test scores later, then we can see what is the difference? Did we have kids who were our distance learners did they do better at home? Did they do better if they were face-to-face? Well, once we get our test scores back, we'll be able to look at those metrics a little bit better. But then we also, I think, like Leslie is talking about, this qualitative piece, like her daughter at home, can we capture that and see, let her talk about it and see, did she learn more um, beyond just what the numbers tell us? Nancy, is there room for uh, gut instinct here? The, the the teacher's perspectives just on having gone through all the prep work necessary and the kind of responses they did or did not get back from both the online students and the in-class students? I'm still in favor of in person to person in face instruction. I just, I, I'm old school in that, in that sense. I think that you can read the body language and, and get to know students better when you are seeing them and you're with them. However, as we know that that's, that's not always possible. I think that as we as we as we look at this and we and we begin to to delve into research, certainly student perceptions are are very important. Um, as Leslie and, and Stacy have alluded to, in terms of, uh, for example, Leslie's daughter and and other students, like what is what was this like for you? And 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 just anecdotally, uh, I with my students, I've got some that that this is the way. This is for them. Like they would like to continue this. And for others, um, they realized that they were missing something that just, it wasn't the same. So I think it's highly contextual and individual. Uh, But for me, if I can have them in class, I want them in class. Okay, we'll take another break right here and we'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields 
and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, Wise Advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guests are Dr. Nancy Calkin, Associate Dean for Undergraduate Programs in the College of Education at North Greenville University, and Dr. Stacy Fields, an Assistant Professor in MTSU's Department of Elementary and Special Education, and Leslie Trail, who is an Adjunct Professor of Educational Leadership at MTSU and an English teacher at Eagleville School. We're talking about HyFlex, a means of teaching students with a combination of online and in-person methodologies. This model requires not only the students to be fully engaged, it requires the teachers, it seems to me, to be more engaged than ever, especially in their familiarity with the technology. Leslie, did you find yourself having to do more prep work for class? Uh, was, a, it, did it, was it a more intense experience than your standard operational, everybody's in the class together and, and no online stuff? Or, uh, or did you just kind of feel that it was seamless? Absolutely. It requires you to think about class a little bit differently, right? So in the past, for example, I might have my students doing a gallery walk and we have big chart paper and students are writing on the chart paper and it's gonna be really easy. I'm gonna get kids up, we're gonna move around the room, we're gonna write on the paper, we're done. In Hyflex, it's, we're gonna write on the paper. My distance learners at home are gonna be put in a breakout room so that they're with someone in person so that they can contribute to the paper. And then my asynchronous students are going to access this via Padlet so that they can contribute to what would have been on the paper. And so it, that's one example of how it requires you to think about what is it that's happening in person? How are my students who are participating synchronously accessing that? And then what do I do for my student who's at home asynchronously? There, there is a ritual and a routine to teaching in person. And, and to what Dr. Calkin said earlier, I love seeing my students' faces and seeing their body language and engaging in that. And so when you have students in these different modes of instruction, you have to constantly think about how am I engaging them? Do you encourage your students to write messages when the ones who are online, uh, you know, as a way of making comments or, or getting your attention, has that replaced raising your hand? <laughs> I encourage them to send chats, but I also encourage them to unmute and to just talk and to be a part of the classroom because I want them to be part of my classroom. Do you think that HyFlex could be used across subjects, and this is for all of you, and across grade levels, or is it most appropriate for uh, a particular grade level? As a former science teacher, if I were in the high school setting as I was for 15 years, and if I was using the HyFlex model to teach chemistry, uh, I would struggle in particular with, with labs. Um, I mean, you can do some simulations and virtual labs, but it's not the same. The skill set that you're gaining is not the same. Uh, for teacher prep, and Leslie can speak to this, when students are practicing teaching in the college classroom in an online setting, that looks a little differently than it does when they're practice teaching um, in front of their peers. So um, I, I think it certainly can lend itself better in some contexts, but not so well in others. Yeah, I'll give you another example. I have a really good friend who teaches ag 
And she has said, you know, when we go out and I'm teaching them how to plant the plants, it's really hard to do that when they're at home. Her method of, of instruction for students who are distance learners has also often been videos that are recorded lessons. And so they're missing the hands-on skills. I know when I look at my third grader, they will send home sometimes activities that will make it still hands-on. For example, last week they were doing an activity where you wound up a toy and you guesstimated how far it would go and then you had to measure it. And so they sent that activity home and she was still able to participate in it. But the, the experience of learning side by side can't be replicated 100%, 100% of the time, even in the English classroom at home. We have to make modifications to what it looks like. I will say that I think that this high flex model in an elementary classroom is not going to be as effective as when you have an older student who has a little bit more of the learning already under their belt. Yeah. So an eighth grader, a seventh grader, a sixth grader is going to be a lot more able to access some of this instruction than perhaps a first or second grader. So we do have to think about those developmental stages too. Stacey and Nancy, how do you feel about HyFlex as a methodology for teaching the teachers of the future? I, I, I see it as an option when in need. And I think that our teachers need to be prepared with skills to engage this type of uh, instruction. However, I, I like that. I like the idea of if there is going to be an online component, there's also an in-person component, even with the same student. I like the tools that it's given us. Like we were talking about earlier, you know, we've learned all these other tools. We, we're always talking about trying to embed technology into our teaching, um, not just technology for technology's sake, but using it as an instructional tool. And we've added, I think, what HyFlex has given us is teaching our teachers how to do that well, we hope. And so for those purposes, I think using that in our instruction with our new teachers, we're able to give them, we're, it's equipped us as people who are teaching pre-service teachers, how to, how to teach them how to use those things. But I agree with Nancy and Leslie, I like to be face-to-face. -face. So we still need to instruct them well how to teach face-to-face, -face, and then embed these instructional tools into their teaching. The article is titled, Finding Flexibility with High Flex, Teaching in the Digital Age. It was published in the International Journal of the Whole Child. Thank you all for taking the time to be with us. And Nancy, I hope we haven't made you late for class. We'll be right back. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee State University Women's Studies Research Series features compelling monthly talks on gender-related topics by faculty and graduate students. The series offers a chance to learn about research in progress and to chat with faculty in an informal setting. All lectures are free and open to the public and are held on the MTSU campus. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. 
Gina Fan has the middle moment. Nearly 50 students from across two MTSU colleges added another notch to their professional tool belts by providing the sounds, sights, and video streaming for a recent students-only live concert. Media arts and recording industry students in the College of Media and Entertainment joined their theater and dance peers from the College of Liberal Arts in the Student Union. Rich Kershaw, director of MTSU's Student Programming and Raider Entertainment Office, has been coordinating special events like this for MTSU students since 2004. It was a nice partnership with a bunch of areas to make something happen. The whole thing is about doing stuff for our students. For the students who came for the show, who really we were craving having something in person, you know, an in-person show, but still scared. And I'm rightly so about COVID, so you have to try and make it safe for them so they feel safe enough to be there and enjoy the show. But the biggest part for us really is just that the students are getting their experience there. They're getting real live, real world is uh, invaluable. So when they step out of here and they go try to get a job at one of these uh, video wall companies and stuff like that, they can show this is what I did. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.